Hello everyone and welcome to Supermarketers, a brand new podcast from me, Sairam Krishna. I lead marketing at Atomic Work, a startup trying to build the future of employee experience. I also write a marketing newsletter called the CMO Journal at thecmojournal.com. Earlier, I have worked at some of India's top startups like Freshworks and Wingify. I also had a stint at Axel, one of India's and indeed one of the world's largest VC firms. Why am I here talking to you though? And what is Supermarketers? So I've been writing my newsletter, the CMO Journal, for the last three years. And I would always wonder how other marketers were thinking about and building their careers. This is fascinating to me, how we think about what we do, where we want to go and how we want to get there. So I thought I'll just ask them. And that's what Supermarketers is. I am going to talk to some of the best marketers in the country about how they came to be marketers, what drives them and how they think about their careers. Basically informal, free-ranging and fun conversations. So that's it. It's very simple. Welcome again to Supermarketers. Before we get to the conversation, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a highly dated social media management tool packed with an array of features that you might need. From scheduling to analyzing metrics to curation to collaboration, Social Pilot has you covered. If you're looking for a great tool to manage your social media, look no further than Social Pilot. And with that, we're off to our first guest. Lavanya really needs no introduction, but I'm going to give one anyway. Lavanya Mohan is, as she writes, one-time CA, part-time writer and full-time marketing professional. She is right now the director of content and social media at ACO and writes a finance column in the morning context. She also writes about personal finance from a female perspective on her great blog, Pain Money. She's also one of the OG social media influencers and I know her from her early writing days in Chennai. She's had a really roundabout way into marketing and we cover a lot of that ground in this conversation. Plus, writing, finance, campaigns, social media, we really go all over the place. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And once again, welcome to Supermarketers. Hi, Lavanya. Welcome to Supermarketers. Hi, Sai. How are you? I'm great, yeah. I'm, I'm great. How are you? All good. All good. So people should know that we're recording at like 10 p.m., so, uh, like, that we're all good is, like, testament to us, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Recording anything or doing anything, I think, after 10 p.m. at this point of time in your life, it's definitely, it means that it's quite monumental and it means that, you know, I have sacrificed something. Yeah, it means that it means something. Yeah, it definitely means something. I think the weight of doing something post 10 p.m. after you comfortably in your 30s, <laughs> there's a there's a certain significance that's associated with this event so yeah. i'm very happy to be here clearly yeah 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 so lavanya i want to start with this this is like something that i always sort of wanted to ask you so from from the years on madras twitter and everything i know you as a writer first that's what you were and I, even now I, I think i see you as that a little bit how did you find your way into marketing um, that's a great question and uh, I have to say that before I was a writer, I was a chartered accountant, which <laughs> makes this journey even weirder. <laughs> but uh, basically, I think what happened was um, I did well in accounts at school and I think I've always been doing well in writing and storytelling, even in school, right? I was always very much into storytelling actually um, and writing way back then and I think it was a classic case of like two paths ahead of me that was like taking accounts and chartered accountancy. And then, you know, I also looked 
I did consider doing journalism because that was also something that I wanted to do. But for some reason, I was just like, yeah, guys, I'm going to become a CA. And, and I dived, uh, you know, I dove straight in. And um, yeah, I still sometimes regret those three and a half years of pure torture. But um, I did come out of it. I did clear on time and everything. But that's because I later realized that it had nothing to do with um, my passion for accounts as much as it was a skill at test taking. I still say that I'm very good at taking tests, which is an entirely different skill set from finance, right? So while I was studying and during the last year, so I chanced upon the opportunity to write for some local publications because I made the effort of writing a blog just to like document the amount of torture that I was going through. It was an escape, you know, when you're studying something as intense as chartered accountancy, sometimes you need an escape. And for me, it was like the early days of blogging where there was a very active community. It wasn't all about ranking. Like people were like properly pouring their heart out onto the keyboards and uh, blogs were very personal back then. It was deeply personal. And there was very little censorship that happened. And then, you know, you were just having a conversation. You were writing about your day. You were making friends on the internet. You know, it was a very wholesome era, I would say, of the internet. And I think while I was writing and kind of trying to find my own voice, I got a couple of opportunities to write for local publications. And that was something I always wanted to do. And it, and it, it was started out as very basic stuff, you know. It started out as like, you know, restaurant reviews, and just generally like reviews of hotels and stuff like that. So it started out very basic. From there, I got a chance to build on it because again, the internet helped. I think being active on Twitter at that point in time was very helpful. So I got more opportunities just by pushing my work out and talking about it. And one thing led to another and I was writing a lot, but I still had one foot in my chartered accountancy practice. And then in the year 2015, I went through this, I want to say experience where a client of the office and a friend of the office asked me to take um, a basic finance session for a group of women that he knew. And as it turned out, they were some of like the most influential women in business in, in some parts, you know, um, I would say that some of the most influential women in India, like they they controlled a lot of the biggest companies in the country right now. And I was just shocked because I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, uh, what am I doing here? But as it turned out, they wanted someone who could break stuff down, which again, I would say did become a part of my skill set. Um, and it's something that I learned just to break stuff down to make it easier for me and uh, I think because when you write and you keep writing there is that clarity of thought that uh, you kind of train yourself in um, and it was a great session but I came out thinking that if women in power need help with money like what happens to like the rest of us right like um, where does everybody else go and that kind of led to the birth of my blog pen money which is something that I still write very very passionate about helping women out with money and um, that also gave me more scope 
for business-led stories. I think I was doing a lot of lifestyle stories before that because, like I said, I started out with restaurant reviews, like spa reviews, um, you know, things to do in the city. I was in that space, very much in the space of lifestyle, but starting this uh, personal finance blog and making my identity as a finance professional more public and uh, sharing all of that information also led to me getting a few more business side stories. And that basically gave me the opportunity to speak to Ashwini Ashokan, who is the CEO and founder of Mad Street then. And uh, I'd interviewed her for a story. And uh, one thing led to another, and this was in 2018. This was in 2018. One thing led to another, and uh, she just looked at me <laughs> after the interview, and she was like, uh, why aren't you joining us? And I think up to then, I was very unsure about leaving the security of um, my finance career. You know, still like I still felt like I had to be a CA in practice. But I think after about seven years in practice, I was truly unhappy because when you know that you're not cut out for something, I think I think it, you realize it and it keeps festering and. Uh, in some way, her very simple question of like, why aren't you joining us really, I think, set something off in my brain. And I was like, you know what, maybe this is this is the moment. This is when I put my hands up and I say, it's time for something new. And honestly, it was terrifying because I think what happens when you make the shift from writer, first of all, with a background in finance to tech marketing, you realize that you need to learn an entirely different language, right? I knew how to tell a story. I knew how to write. And I understood social media. Like, I was very much interested in the nuts and bolts of conversation and how conversation worked and what constituted an interesting conversation and pulling those levers. But the language of marketing was unknown to me. And that was very daunting for me and I had to I think really humble myself and say you know what we start by accepting the fact that we know nothing so I approached it by saying I know nothing and I'm going to not hold myself back by asking questions and it took me about three to four months to basically understand the grammar of how things worked in marketing right and I think I was lucky enough because at the start, my role was quite fluid, but then it moved into um, a solid content and social role as time progressed. So I would say that she gave me like my first kind of break into marketing. And then I moved to the InsurTech giant Echo in 2021, um, November, I moved uh around November and uh, that has been a completely different ball game as well because um, while I learned the grammar of marketing in MST at ACO I've learned scale because the kind of budgets they deal with are very different and also the kind of activities in terms of media buying for example was not something that I knew uh, but media buying, um, understanding OOH advertising, for example, 
and um, working in the IPL even for example working on projects around the IPL those were those were very big ticket things and uh, yeah I feel like the one thing that has helped me through all of this is just to accept the fact that you know very little um, this isn't to say that you go into everything blind but I do think that what it has made me do is homework I do a lot more homework just in terms of whether it's showing up for a meeting or whether it's trying to understand what's being said in a meeting, right? Sometimes you won't have the answer of what's going on, but um, it pushes me to like come back and like learn and then go back and uh, to be able to present an answer or to present an argument. Sometimes you need to know what's going on just to ask the right questions, right? So... I think there's been a lot of learning, honestly. It's, it's been a lot of learning. I continue to learn every day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a ride. It's, it's been an absolute ride. And I will say that I haven't stopped writing either. Mm. Uh, I continue to write for a bunch of publications across topics. And uh, it's one of the things that I continue to really enjoy. Because when you work in content, I think the writing muscle is something that you never really should stop exercising because yeah. that's really where it begins. And in some cases, that's really also where it ends. So uh, writing is something that I do take quite seriously. There's a lot of uh, stuff that I do. And um, yeah, I think in this day and age of chat GPT, we want to make sure that you have that muscle sharp enough yeah. so that... Uh, <laughs> You can tell ChatGPT what to do and yeah. ask it all the right questions. Yeah. What's impressive also, Lavanya, is that, um, see, going from finance to marketing is one thing. Moving from finance to SaaS is one thing. Um, moving from, uh, move, you know, moving from finance to a B2B company and then going to a B2C company. Like, one of the things that we marketers, like, like in the SaaS space for, like, years, like, I've spent, like, 10, more than 10 years now, um, we never move like because we know that these are two completely different skill sets um, as you just pointed out as well. Um, how did you navigate that? Because like in B2B, there's a bunch of things happening and uh, like I've, I've seen your content, of course, at that time. Um, at Street Den is, um, you know, a company that, uh, you know, at least like I'm intimately familiar with. I've seen the, uh, like I've had friends work there and all of that. And they did great content. They do great content. And then moving from that to, for example, an ad campaign, which B2B does not do, um, you know, there's no need because these are different, uh, these are sort of like very different uh, environments. Um, how did you navigate that or was that easier for you because of your background? So we work in the space of insure tech, right, which is somewhat close to fintech, but not really. Um, navigating it was, I think, a challenge because like I said, there was a lot of things that I had to like, start from scratch in terms of learning and it was like oh my god what do they mean by ATL what do they mean by BTL like you needed to have like a dictionary close by constantly just to follow the conversation right so I think again just telling yourself that okay you're here to learn it's okay it's going to take time focus on learning I think was important so when I worked in B2B there was a lot of emphasis on the persona at the other end there's always like a guy you're writing to. There's always someone you're trying to, you know, you want to get their attention. 
and there is someone that you are writing it for. So the moment you know, and the moment you kind of pick up that skill, right? At the end of the day, your target audience is always going to be a bunch of personas. For me, the shift was instead of the decision maker at this company who's going to read my blog post, it's going to be the guy with the car or the girl with the car looking to buy insurance. So the way I coped with it, I think, was not to get overwhelmed by like the sheer scale because I think in B2B, it's very specific. It's small. You literally know their email addresses and you can like hit them up. Whereas in B2C, it's the world at large. Like we recently had an OH coding in RDR. So like you're literally sending that message to everybody who crosses that bridge. So the scale of it is very daunting. But I think at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself that it's a persona. Who is your persona? And obviously, it's a much wider persona. It's not going to be like this specific guy in this specific company with this specific problem, which was why in B2B, it becomes easy to craft that message, right? Because you know what his problem is. You know where he's coming from. Absolutely. I can, I can be laser sharp with how I target. Whereas over here, it's much broader. And therefore, you have to be that much smarter in getting your message across because you want to craft something that appeals to everybody. But I think the way I coped is basically by telling myself, you know, like it's a persona at the end of the day. Who's your demographic? Hmm. Right? demographic who's your audience same exercises same principles it's just that the number is going to be bigger Mm. so you have to be a lot more aware of the fact that you know it's a very wide base you know i think one of the things that you have to learn in b2c is to not be too clever Mm. because you're not trying to impress that one guy who will get the joke sure right whereas it's, it's it's a much broader base and you don't want to be too clever you just want to get the message across So I think I used the whole persona thing to like make the shift. And uh, one of the other things that was also something that took time for me was just measuring the impact of the stuff that you do. Because in B2B, feedback is instant. He either replies to your email or not. He either opens your newsletter or he does not. Like measuring that impact and getting that feedback loop was always much quicker with B2B. Whereas over here... We do like the brand track surveys. There's research that happens. It's a quarterly process and it's that much longer. So the onus on getting it right is that much heavier, right? Like you have to make sure that whatever you're saying will appeal to your target persona. So there is pressure, but I think it's also a lot of fun. So I would definitely say that just looking at it as a new ride, makes it easier and then telling yourself that okay you can learn something you can pick something up has also been helpful yeah yeah i mean uh, this this is very interesting that you put it that way uh, like i've been in b2b right so i i keep saying this to people like at least in my team that nobody cares if we make a mistake in b2b like if we make a mistake in b2b it's like 10 people see it and of that nine people haven't really noticed at all uh, but however if you make a mistake on like for example, a social copy in B2C, like it's all like people have taken screenshots in like half minutes and, and, and off they go. Like, you know, it's like carnage. So B2B actually, you're right. Like B2B actually has a lot. Uh, like if something works, 
you know, great, it's working. If something doesn't work, okay, we can move on to the next thing. There's a lot less uh, immediate pressure. It's not like the pressure isn't there, but a lot less immediate pressure. Um, yeah, the stakes are much higher. The stakes, I think, are much higher in B2C. And therefore, you want to, like I said, you don't want to be too clever. You want to make sure that you are impactful, you are effective, but wit does take like a backseat. Like yeah. you want to make sure that you're effective. This isn't to say that we can't look at humor or we can't look at wit, but everything is very considered. It's not like, okay, let's just come up with this email subject line or let's just come up with this newsletter and just let's just get this across. There are a few more eyes. There are a few more levels and it's necessary also because, you know, in the space of insurance, which is heavily regulated in India as well, I think finance and insurance are pretty well regulated in India. So the stakes are not just from the audience who are going to enjoy pointing out our mistakes, but also there's also a regulator at the other end who's going mm-hmm. to pull you up. So there are multiple levels of checks to ensure that everything is in place. So I think that is also necessary because of the stakes and everything. But this isn't to say that, you know, we don't look at humor, we don't look at other tools to make it interesting, to make it entertaining. It's just that you have to be a lot more considered about it. It can't be like an, oh, you know, a bunch of guys got together and we tried this and it was fantastic. So that doesn't work. Do you think for somebody like you who's really good at social media, who's really good at copy, uh, who's really good at like grabbing people's attention at something, do you think B2C is far more fun? It is fun. I also think what B2C allows you is to talk about problems that you face as a consumer. And therefore, the relatability factor is that much higher in B2C because I'm not talking to Sai from Atomic Work who's facing a certain issue with his SaaS platform, right? I'm not I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Sai, the guy who has a car and is trying to figure out what's the best decision he can make for his car. And therefore, that gives me the advantage to be able to relate to you at a very direct level. It's not something that is attached to your work day. It's not something that's attached to your professional identity. It's attached to you, the individual. And that's very powerful, right? For me to be able to talk to you directly, as opposed to that layer of your professional identity. Because let's face it, I think as consumers, we are always on as consumers. Yeah. We might be professionals when we're at work, but... We are always consumers, you know, at the end of the day, even when we scroll social, whether even if it's in the middle of a work day, I'm still a consumer. I'm still going to be looking at those ads. And that's very powerful to me. So I think ultimately it comes down to what you're interested in. And I'm always, I've always been very interested in the consumer because I am a consumer, right? And mm. if I get a chance to impact your decision making, that's very powerful for me you know, your decision-making as a consumer. So I think that's always been something that's drawn me in to the world of B2C because I get to talk to you at a very visceral level. I'll talk to you about your money problems. I'll talk to you about your car problems. I'll talk to you about your health problems, whatever it is, right? So to make that direct connection, I think is very powerful. And that's really what drew me into B2C in the first place. And um, I would say it doesn't matter 
whether you're good at social whether you're good at copy i think if you want to tell a story that's enough in whatever form hmm. for me perhaps i probably do better in these areas but i think the great thing about b2c is that it gives you a platform across a number of skill sets yeah across a number of skill sets right so i think that's really a fantastic thing about b2c whereas in b2b you're always trying to get someone's attention in the middle of a work day and there's always that layer that comes in and that is also again it's it's a different skill set but i think b2c is more accommodating of more varying skill sets that's what i would say it doesn't have anything to do with whether you're good at social or whether you're good at this i would argue that if you're good at social and if you're good at copy and if you're good at grabbing attention you thrive in b2b hmm. because if you can get people's attention and if you can get people's professional attention in this day and age when our inboxes are our literal biggest source of stress right like you know those emails that come saying can i have 5 minutes of your time and i remember there was this one meme i saw on about linkedin where it was like hi i noticed that you breathe i breathe too can we set up a 15 minute call to discuss this like there is a lot of noise right now right in the general b2b space everyone's trying to sell you something yeah and we are obviously on these social media platforms to get like some escape email has actual work i'm on linkedin just to figure out what my colleagues are doing and then there's some guy who's popping up and saying can i have 5 minutes of your time can i have 10 minutes of your time and ultimately i think if you can write a really good message to get somebody's attention while they're in the middle of their work day you would do really well in b2b i think yeah. that's where you should be whereas b2c is a lot more accommodating of a number of other skills mm. yeah 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 you said something very interesting lavanya like that that we are always consumers here's a corollary to that this is something that i have felt because i now not now like i think this started when i when i was in business school itself is that i looked at a marketing campaign and i always thought oh wow like how what have they done like how has this been done now you're you're coming you're jumping in from a different you know you're jumping in from a different background here has that happened to you as well are you looking at campaigns and thinking are you looking at marketing and thinking you know, oh what's going on here what's being done here can i apply some of that yeah i think that is one and i said before that uh, one of my skill sets is test taking right and mm-hmm. i'm good at tests because my real skill is actually reverse engineering mm mm-hmm. So what I'm very good at is reverse engineering. If I know that this is the answer, for me it's like if I know that's the finish line, like how do I go backwards? Like how do I find the starting point, right? So that's why I'm good at test taking because if I look at question papers, so everybody studies, right? And then you take a test and see if what you studied matches what you get in the test. So the way I studied for CA was I got a bunch of question papers and I did only tests. Hmm. So I learned by doing tests. So you learn the format. you see how they are asking questions you see patterns in how they are asking questions and then you basically reverse engineer the way you study saying okay they were always asked questions for 10 marks from this chapter and therefore this is an easy way to get 10 marks hmm they never ask this tough chapter and even if they do it's only been for about 5 or 8 marks so i am not missing out on much by skipping this chapter altogether hmm so i have always been someone <laughs> it's i don't know it's like personal jugaad i think I, no, it's I, great. I, like reverse engineering is like a great skill for marketers to have. Like, uh, yes. I, I can see now. Like, I can see now how you how you like do that. Yeah. 
yeah so i've always been someone who's reverse engineered things and uh, with marketing it was quite similar right it's like okay what is the outcome that we are expecting and how do we work backwards to get there and that was how i learned marketing as well like simply just like by diving right into it yeah and uh, yeah i think even today when i see create ad campaigns right and now i'm a lot more closer to it because i work in this space as well it's like what would have the brief been mm-hmm. you know and this is actually an exercise that we do during super bowl at work it's something that we really enjoy doing it's like the super bowl ads come and uh, it's like what would have the brief been what would have the insight been what would have they told the what would have the client told the agency you know like how would have they arrived at it and how do we kind of apply this reverse engineering into what we do i think that's also like a really fun skill to pick no no i i, I completely get this it sort of clicked it when i was when you were saying this because very early in my career like i had just joined freshworks 2011 and i was supposed to make a website for xoy some landing page and i was sitting there drawing like you know this is like pre figma so i'm like making stuff on my own and i'm like drawing stuff and i'm talking to my designers and my boss comes along um, girish and he says what are you doing and i say girish like this is what i've done like if we have a cta here this is great and all of that uh, then he says please use like this other tool don't like do this and the next thing he says is why are you thinking through this from first principles there's like so many people have done great jobs at this go take really one really good one that you love and adapt it to what you want and i was like okay that makes sense and this this sort of has been a learning that i have applied throughout and he and he has also said that more than once like if there is something good out there when you're doing something similar take from it like adapt it to what you want it to be sure but you have to reverse engineer if you start thinking about all of this from first principles it's just going to take too much time and startups don't have time yeah yeah absolutely i think uh, reverse engineering is a great tool to have when you're trying to be scrappy and when you're trying to build something or even when you're trying to learn something i think like what is the expected outcome is something mm-hmm. that one should think about i think when you work in marketing and when you have money at your disposal especially when you're working with budgets you know that you're answerable for mm-hmm. it's like what am i spending my money on mm-hmm. what is the outcome that i want why is that outcome the right outcome mm-hmm. and i think once you have that in your head versus just going in blind yeah you'll know which levers to pull it's like which wire do i cut right exactly <laughs> you're diffusing a box like once you kind of tell yourself okay this is what i want out of this for this particular reason then you'll figure it out yeah. because you know what the expected outcome is you know what campaign to run you know what you need to set your goals for so i think it's always been more efficient and like you said startups don't have time i think today it doesn't matter what size of the company you are when you're working against time reverse engineering is generally like a it's like a good way to think about how you work and i think another great way to think about how you work is especially when you're on content right especially when you're on content is would i watch this that's a yeah. question i ask myself yeah like would i watch this yes i'm creating it but take me out of the job would i watch this like i i think create for yourself as well right like especially when you're in b2c you're always the target audience So Lavanya what's the most fun you've had with a campaign until now Most fun I've had with a campaign this is a bit tough but I think last year we worked on an IPL campaign of of a very big scale and it was an integrated campaign where um, 
there were obviously many components to it. There was mainline advertising and social was a component. And um, that was a lot of fun because we got to work with some very good talent, you know, just to create content uh, with the cricketers themselves. So I got this opportunity to work with a couple of days to talk about cricket from Australia, for example. I don't know if you follow their work, the great cricketer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know them. I know them. Very fun, very fun couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think to create something that was so love, right, with them and with the teams and to just bring about actual joy, right? Like people, this was obviously a very sponsored, this was very much a company creating content, right? It's a brand creating content. So one thing about consumers today is that they can smell a brand deal from a mile away. I think this age of Instagram and this age of influencing has done anything. It's made the consumer so much more sharper to brand endorsements and brand sponsorships Mm -hmm. and also so much more sensitive to brand endorsements where they're like, well, we know what's happening. This has obviously been paid for. You know, they become cynical, I think, Mm. uh, because of how sensitive they are to brand sponsorships and how ubiquitous it has almost become in today's world but it was great to see the fact that so many fans really enjoyed the coming together of the brand and the creators and just enjoying the content like genuinely i think that's where i would reiterate what i said just now which is mm-hmm. which is that it worked because at some level we were also creating for ourselves it's like mm-hmm. what would this conversation between this creator and these teams who we are sponsoring look like if we did not intervene much and if we created for ourselves. So we actively took a step back and we kind of let them do their thing and it worked out great for the brand because we created something that people loved. Mm. Mm. So I think to create for yourself and to think about, okay, would I enjoy this? Would I share this on my social, which is like kind of like, the greatest endorsement, right? Like, would, would I put this out on my personal social mm. and be like, guys, go see this, check this out, check out all the work I've done. I think uh, that campaign throughout, we did a lot of fun things. We played around with memes. We basically, at some level, were creating for the cricket fans inside ourselves. So I think that was a campaign that I had great fun with. And another campaign that I think I had a lot of fun with was a campaign that I was given as soon as I joined the company. They gave me the Christmas campaign. I don't know, like, I'm still very grateful to the level of trust that was placed onto, like, this absolute newbie who who had no agency experience, right? I'd never dealt with an agency before. And I worked with Leo Burnett Orchard, which is, like, again, like it's a pretty big agency. And uh, I pretty much reverse-worked my entire thing. Like, I would, number one, do a lot of Googling. I did a lot of Googling just to understand, like, what is a PPM, for example? (laughs) Like, what do they mean? So it was a great way to learn about campaign management at a much smaller scale because this wasn't a white big campaign. It was a digital campaign for Christmas. And I was given that campaign also because I think I sat on a couple of initial ideation meetings. And I still remember that the reason that I was very optimistic about it was because the thought behind the campaign was very pure and it was it was very lovely so for christmas like what would an insurance company do 
right? Like for us, that was the main objective. It's like, what would you do for Christmas as an insurance company? We worked with an NGO to actually fix a stretch of a road in Bangalore. So it was almost like we took a really like pothole-ridden road. Like I've been in Bangalore and in that Whitefield area now enough to understand the actual impact that we were able to create. And we fixed a patch of road. And the campaign was basically the fact that this NGO, which specializes in fixing roads, they're called Pothole Raja, right? Quite uh, well-known at this point. So they fix roads. So we worked with them. And they basically fixed that stretch dressed up as like Santa Claus. So that was like the little film that we made where we gifted basically the road. And it was very pure. We weren't like putting our brand or we weren't slapping brands or anything. But it's like the most obvious thing that an insurance company can do, right? Like we want fewer accidents on the road. We want to ensure the safety of riders on the road. And uh, it came out in a really fun way. And just like I was also managing it remotely because I work remotely and they were shooting it in Bangalore. And for some reason, I wasn't able to travel there and actually see the shoot. So we were doing it remotely. Just like the amount of I was hooked onto my WhatsApp like that entire day when the shoot was going on, where they were like sending me all these shots all these guys like chilling out in their Santa Claus costumes. And um, <laughs> yeah, like it was ridiculous fun. There was a late, very late night involved, but it was still just like ridiculous fun. And the output was also very nice. So it was great to have been able to ship something out for probation, first of all. <laughs> and then just how joyous I think that campaign was, was very memorable for me. And uh, yeah, I think the IPL yeah. campaign, just like nice. the amount of volume of work that we did last year was... Uh, no, I saw the IPL campaign. I, I, I did watch that. I remember this campaign as well, but I, I don't think I've like, you know, paid a lot of attention like to it. So no, I think it also came out during that week of Christmas, which yeah. is, you know, I think... Generally holiday. When one shares their work, it's on LinkedIn and it is kind of like a time when things are a bit sleepier for good reason like you don't want to break from it so you probably didn't see it but uh, yeah it's it's a campaign that's very close to my heart because it was the first one yeah yeah I'll try to link both campaigns when I put the podcast up so I I really wanted to ask you this uh, Lavanya you've been you like you've talked a lot about curation lately and like I, I know because you've talked about this before as well I know you see yourself as some kind of a curator it could be about culture it could be about like writing I'm like that's your definition and I think there's certainly some truth to that the, the reason that this caught my attention was because of something that uh, Dave Gerard of Drift once and now of Exit 5 once said in something that he'd written he said great marketing is also like editing of some sort you're also snipping away at edges to like you know produce a great campaign or, a, or great content or something that is that nails an idea would you agree Would you and, and, and would you think that since curation is something that you've been interested in for a long time, does that sort of like reflect in the work that you're doing now? I would say yes, in the sense that I agree to the statement that great marketing is a lot of editing because having worked in, not even having worked in, having had just like a front row seat to the way TV campaigns are made, right? Like every second is money is what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, as a brand. When you're advertising on TV, every second, you are paying by the second. And therefore, there's always that struggle to land something perfectly within that little time frame. And there's always this tussle between like the production house and you, the brand, 
to trim the fat mm. and in a way i think that editing is very powerful because so much of what you say also lies in what you don't say mm. right like how do you grab people's attention without setting context each time which is why i think every ad will have a director's cut where he's indulged himself with like <laughs> the nice bit of storytelling you know like with the whole context setting and everything so i do agree that great marketing is like editing and curation is something that i'm interested in i consume a lot of curation as well there is uh, deepak gopal krishnan's uh, fantastic newsletter for example yeah. where he puts together all of the latest and greatest in content and writing and marketing and all of that i consume a lot of curation because uh, i think it really caters to modern professionals of today who are again the most powerful consumers right the ones with the disposable income the ones with the smartphones the top i would say 5% of the economy so to speak because they're all very busy everyone's very busy so what we really want right now when you think about it as again a consumer i want to save time right like i i really want to have time to do the things that matter to me and i think curation really speaks to that because you're saying a hey, here's what you really need to know right instead of all that junk that's coming at you from so many different ways here's what you need to know and i think what's very important about curation is the person who's curating because i think you require some kind of trust in order to become a curator you need to build trust to become a curator like why do i subscribe to your newsletter because i i trust your thoughts on marketing mm-hmm. like for me it's like sai knows his shit he's been in this and he obviously has an eye out and he'll tell me what i need to know and my subscribing to what you have to say comes from this place of trust right it's like why should i listen to you yeah and that kind of moves on to curating as well where it's like i trust deepa like he is actually going out and teaching content he's constantly watching what's going on and i also enjoy his sense of humor you know in the sense that i will find funny what he finds funny i will find interesting what he finds interesting and because it it's weirdly personal you know because it's it's trust based so i would definitely say that good curators are people who can create that sense of trust and in it's, it's all it's also like influencing right when you think about it what are influencers if not creators they're saying yeah. this is what you should be looking at that is what you should be looking at so it comes from that trust is like okay i know that this person knows xyz things and i trust their opinion on xyz things therefore i will trust their curation on these xyz things and it's also interesting because sometimes i find that if i trust your thoughts on marketing weirdly enough i will also trust your thoughts on electronics mm. i don't know how this shift sort of happens but i've noticed it where it's like if i trust your opinion on one thing i will also trust your opinion on some other thing mm. and uh, i think it's very powerful if you want to be a curator and you can build that kind of trust i think it's still very nascent actually curation is still very nascent 
and uh, it's ripe for the taking versus yeah. content creation where there is some kind of saturation that we are reaching because there is a crap ton of content on the internet right now and if you can tell me where to look in this sea of just stuff right like everything is content today the other day i was watching a reel where the music was basically everything is content so everything is content everything has become content like sometimes i think about where this word even came from right like when did our silly instagram stories become content mm-hmm. sometimes i think about it but if i can find someone who can tell me where to look because there's also way, so many wonderful things out there as well and if someone can just tell me where to look where i know that i will appreciate what they're telling me it's very powerful i think curation is the new creation yeah that's very catchy actually i should write that down somewhere no no i will write it down don't worry you said it on supermarketers so that goes on the marketing <laughs> that's yeah, a very sharp that. answer it's very uh, i really loved it i really loved that answer because you've touched upon a few things that sort of inter- intersect and you also like said how you think about it so it's a very smart sharp answer i'm i'm going to i'm going to use some of that so as we wind down like i want to talk about like something really that i hope like younger marketers also sort of like see it and uh, you know see and listen and like learn from how are you thinking about your career now lavanya see like like we we spoke about this on uh, you know today you were a ca like you you're a proper finance professional and and you're a proper writer with like you know with bylines everywhere and then you're a marketer at like a proper all like matchy dennis silicon valley company you know so backed by axel by the way yeah 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 i knew that but yes and then you're here at aco like you know which is unlike man street then where you had a different uh, experience aco is india based and it's like selling um, you know uh, selling insurance to india where do you think your career is going from here because wow i think it's a question that i've also been mulling about which is why i had to take a step back and say oh no this is something i've been having an existential crisis for for the last 3 months for me i think and for every kind of mid career professional right like this is really the stage when you get deeply existential about <laughs> me i think there's a lot that i've been learning here at aco just in terms of skill i think at msc i learned grammar i learned the basics and at aco i've been learning scale and scale is very powerful right like it's one thing to be able to write something sharp that gets one single person to convert but when you learn how to get 100s thousands to convert that's very powerful as well i've also realized that perhaps my leaning will always be towards the consumer mm-hmm. like i think the last one year one and a half years at aco has convinced me that my interest will always be in the consumer so irrespective of where i go what i do i always want to talk to the consumer i want to talk to me i feel like that is really where i'm comfortable and if i may say i think that's also what i'm good at mm-hmm. so i think it's taken me some time to be comfortable with saying okay this is what i'm good at right and what that has allowed me to do is to sit in that chair get comfortable with it and get better at it i think until you reach this stage right one should be open to learning as many things as possible that is something i personally believed in you can always start over and over and over and over in the same place 
or different places, whatever. But I think the first five, seven odd years of your career, try to pick up as much different things as possible just to figure out what you would like. And I think I finally come to the stage where I'm like, okay, this is the part where I sit down and say, no more standing up mm-hmm. and no more searching for the next thing that I want to do. This is when I sit because I think until now, like you said, chartered accountancy, getting those pylines in, then going into marketing. I think now I'm finally at a stage where I'm not running from like trying to achieve one thing or and, you know, over to the next or whatever. This is when I've sat down. I said, okay, I'm going to speak to the consumer in whatever way, whether it's through content, whether it's through social and whatever is next. I think what I am very sure of is the fact that I'm going to speak to the consumer and content and storytelling are things that I have built some creds in. And it is something that I'm constantly interested in, right? Like what are all the different ways in which you can tell a story? How can you tell a story in 140 characters? Although now if you have Twitter blue, I think you... There's no really no limit on characters. But like, how can you tell a story on Twitter versus how do you tell a story on LinkedIn versus how do you tell a story visually, right? Whether it's YouTube or Instagram. I think those are the things that I'm very interested in. And those are the things that I want to kind of get a deeper specialization in. Because I believe that this is the stage, like this mid-career, like you said. For me, I've realized, okay, this is the time when I get really, really good at one thing really, really good at one thing to the point where you're irreplaceable, right? And you're known for that one thing. I'm basically parroting this newsletter that you wrote. (laughs) 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 I'll never forget it because I remember reading that newsletter and going, yes, this is exactly what I've been thinking. I I don't remember which month you wrote it, but this was basically the exact same thing that you've written and I resonated with it. Yeah, yeah. So it's called what is the thing you're only you are good at. That's yeah, yeah. only what I am good at. So yes. I personally believe that this is my jam. Mm. This is where I'm going to sit and this is the chair that I'm going to occupy. So you're irreplaceable basically for that one thing. Yes. And that is really what I'm working towards. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad. Go read that newsletter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I'll link to it as well. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely link to it as well. I do a really bad job of like taking the older stuff that I've written, which is good, and bringing it up again. So I'll, I'll, I'll use this opportunity to do that. I mean, that, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that resonated because that resonated with me at a certain point in my career. And it was yeah. important to, for me to realize that. Uh, like obviously I've filled around with marketing a little bit more than you have. So I realized it slightly earlier. That's it. And not too earlier, just slightly earlier. That's it. So that the- realization is important because it's almost like marrying into a certain function of marketing, yeah. right? And I think with marketing, there are so many sub paths that you can take, all of which are very attractive. Yes. Like, do you want to be on set with the celebrities when they shoot the ads? Do you want to be managing their social media? Do you want to be creating content for them, slightly longer form? Do you want to be taking on, I don't know, like shaping the brand? There are some people who are also really into the performance aspect of it, where you're trying to get like that really low CTR and really just like sharpening that one day after the other. So there is so many avenues and there's so much to learn and so much to tinker and fool around with that finding that chair, like staying in that chair long enough to find that, you know, this is the right one. Yeah. Like the, that finding that Goldilocks chair and 
committing yeah. to that goldilocks chair more than anything i think committing to that one path is very hard especially when you work in marketing because there's just so much stuff you can do and like what if you want to join the agency right yeah. like what if you want to go from the brand side to the agency side like what's there on the other side so there's just so many paths and it's also interesting so committing is the hard part but i think that is also the right thing to do like take your time to take a good look at all the chairs and then hopefully by the end of like 5 7 years you'll know which one to keep warm brilliant i want to end it here this is one last question i want to ask because yeah this reveals a lot about the marketer this is something i want to keep going over the over the period of the season and like later is that you have to tell me about an ad that you have to tell me the ad and about the ad and why is it important to you from your childhood from my childhood yeah any ad pick pick any yeah something that you always oh, yeah. remember something that i always remember okay there are two types of ads which are, which basically stick with me the first one would involve like the jingle mm-hmm. so i think music has a very powerful role to play in ads you realize that only after like you grow up mm-hmm. and for some reason the ad that i've never been able to get out of my head has been the jingle rather that i've never been able to get out of my head has been for washing powder nirma yeah i knew you were going to say that <laughs> i don't know washing powder nirma is like the og when it comes to like, childhood ads that i've never been able to get out of my head but in terms of ads that have stuck with me it just purely for creativity and me thinking wow like at a very young age was have been for the fevicol ads mm nice there's this one particular ad which i've always remembered is the one where there's this guy fishing with like the hat yeah. and everything and then this other guy comes with like his dhoti or whatever and then he just puts his he takes a stick puts three drops of fevicol puts it in the river and then just catches the yeah. fish yeah. and he's like ha 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 yeah so <laughs> that's also an ad that yeah no no indian millennial does not you know does not know that ad they, they we know we all do it this is yeah. yeah like when you think about it it's actually quite deep because the desi guy is basically you know like giving it to the colonial master yeah 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 it's very well done and i think it's the first and greatest tribute to jugad <laughs> in its own way so for me it's been yeah two ads from my childhood like if i can recall off the top of my head like that that fevicol ad and then washing powder remember very nice very nice thank you so much lavanya this was great i had a ball having a conversation with you thank you so much for having me like really thank you for thinking of me as always like big fan of the work that you do and i'm happy that we got to chat properly and to talk about marketing was just a treat so thank you for having me awesome thank you for joining us on this episode of supermarketers i really hope you enjoyed the conversation because i did Before I let you go, please do help the podcast reach more people by sharing it and rating us on your favorite podcast app. If you have suggestions for future guests on the show or any feedback for me, you can reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn. And yes, do remember to subscribe yourself. Supermarketers Remember is brought to you by Social Pilot and is created and hosted by me, Sairam Krishnan. Thank you so much for listening.